I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and we have a Denard Den in the hizzy. <laughs> How's it going, man? My penis is shape-shifting, much like yours. <laughs> crazy. You know, we joke about it, but it's fucking true. It responds differently to stimuli when you is sick. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I'm going to put on a white lab coat. And uh, get your wife to sign a release. I'm gonna have a, <laughs> have a little weekend experiment. <laughs> Run some tests. See we gotta I, get to the bottom of this. That's one way of putting it. That's what I like to call guys. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, that's fucked up. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it is May 25th, and we have a fantastic non-penis exposing show for you this week. For once. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Congratulations. I get a lot of uh, feedback from the audience, and they love it when you're on, man. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, they do. They're all so full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, it's either when Aden is on or when Adam's alone, let's let's get someone else in there with him. Um, (laughs) We do have a really great show for you this week. So last week, I mentioned that I was going to try to get some additional voices on the show. Well, one of them I spoke with uh, late last week, and uh, I've got a gentleman, Kanaz Falan, and where he's going to be talking a little bit about pseudo-theology, which is a bit of a misnomer, because we don't really <laughs> talk about that very much, but that was the that was the originating concept, and so we're going to still call it that. Anyway, that's going to take over the Devil's Advocate segment. In Infernal Informant, Aden has chosen this one specially, so I hope there's some good commentary to go with it. California's Condoms on Porn Bill. AB 1576 Clears Assembly Labor Committee. And then I chose this one. Where the fuck did you guys shoot him? <laughs> Basically, that's kind of the name of the article. And Milton Eroticism, episode 12. What do we have to look forward to? I'm going to tell everybody to do it raw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So is this a reaction to Californians' condom, Bill? No. Okay. Just, just wondering. No, I just I just like to tell people that to it raw. I gotta be honest. I mean, if 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 what you mean by raw is without protection, well, which I we'll guess just, we'll find out. We'll find out what I mean. <laughs> I'm a fan. If that's Aren't you? Isn't everybody? Just make sure you wash wash it to pee pee. Is all I'm saying afterward. <laughs> uh, A little personal hygiene, you know. I don't know how that will protect you from uh, anything getting in there, but. Yeah. Well, I don't mean diseases. I just mean in general cleanliness after you've dipped your stick. It's nice to clean it off. It is. Yeah, with the mouth or soap, whichever. <laughs> whichever. All right. Uh, okay, so a couple notes. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Normally, whenever there's like a Memorial Day, I get all fucking downtrodden and, and I talk about it. I'm not going to do that this time, but I'm going to say if if you're an American who appreciates the the way that America is, 
then, uh, you know, take, take 10 seconds and think, think about what's happened. Uh, it'll be worth it. So on, uh, moving aside from that, I finally saw Godzilla. Oh yeah. What'd you think? The new one in theater. Have you seen it yet? No, no. I, um, I'm not a big Godzilla guy, but, uh, this one looks, I'd, I'd probably go see it. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Godzilla person myself, but I do like monster movies. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, anything from uh, traditional like Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, stuff like that, I, I love. And for me, Godzilla kind of just falls in suit with that because it's just this really great monster. Um, I was I was a little bit surprised with the way it, it ended up being. What Really what I love about monster mo- movies in general is that if they're done well, there is a human element to it. So the monster element is is sort of secondary. Um, you know, Frankenstein was, you know, conflicted. He, he didn't know whether he should be good or bad, and his master shunned him, and so he was sort of reacting to stimuli, which made him kind of bad. Um, Creature from the Black Lagoon was all isolated and alone, and he just, just sort of kind of wanted someone to share the time with, whether that was a mate or whatever. Um uh, Wolfman, I, it doesn't really fit the fucking point of what I'm trying to say, so I'm yeah. not going to bring that up. Godzilla was a, a little bit different. Like, it, instead of the monster having, even though it did actually have this weird, like, these weird screen moments of of emotional recognition with human characters on screen, which really kind of threw me out of the story a little bit, um, there, was, uh, there was a couple really, really uh, weird fucking additional weird elements to it, too. I don't really want to tear the show apart because I did enjoy it for what it was. Um, actually, I enjoyed it quite a lot, but it wasn't for the monster. So when you, when I think of a Godzilla movie, I'm thinking, okay, well, this movie is about Godzilla. And this movie was not about Godzilla at all. Like, he was in it. <laughs> From what people tell me about the original Godzilla movie is, is um, the movie's never about Godzilla. He's there. It's okay. like it's like Twister. Is the movie about the tornado? No. <laughs> um, well, then it it definitely falls suit because you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not a huge aficionado of Godzilla at all. Um, but yeah, I expected it to be about Godzilla, and in fact, he's not even the first monster involved, nor. The, like the focus of the monsters, and it's weird because the other monsters, which I think by now everyone who is going to see the movie or cares about it is going to know that, you know, the, the other monsters are called MUDOs, which is basically an acronym for, um, you know, you know, like an, a UFO, for example, just an unknown monster. Um, but, uh, they actually are unknown. And so they give him this acronym Godzilla. Everyone knows his name. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's zero explanation why every single fucking person knows. Oh, that's Godzilla. But everyone does in the show, which is weird because they set everything else up as a discovery, like the Mudos. Total discovery. No one really understands anything about them. So you have to give them an acronym. Godzilla? Oh, yeah, we've known about him. Wait wait a minute. I thought that in the movie, the government was um, blowing, trying to blow up Godzilla like in the... Yeah, the nuclear testing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, they knew about him. Right, but, like, they never explained the name. Like, he doesn't have a fucking... Like a, a chain with fucking gangsta Godzilla written on it that hangs oh around his neck. God, I'm totally sending that to Peter. 
<laughs> Flavor Flav that shit, man. Godzilla, yo! I'm going to get his address, and I'm going to send it and expect him to wear the Godzilla blade. <laughs> it's just so weird that everyone fucking knew Godzilla. No one knew the Mutos, even though apparently they're like historical combatants. You know, according to the story. No, but what was great about the show is it was all about this one particular family who just happened to be, you know, in, in this shit throughout the whole movie, which is what I really, really appreciated that they didn't try to make it all centered around, oh, city destroying, raw. It was actually, you know, it had endearing moments. It had sad moments. It had uh, impassioned moments. It was it was really a human experience with uh, sort of Godzilla and chaos as a backdrop, sort of a, a natural force of nature, which is a really, really nice way of doing it. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I think everyone should go check it out. But that was kind of my weekend. So anything exciting for you? Um, what, this weekend or last weekend? Well, I mean, since we've talked in the past month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been spending a lot of time working in my yard. I'm Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty much it i'm really excited to see that movie transcendence with uh oh really oh yeah i mean the reviews haven't been too good but i don't care um wait is that the one Which with one johnny depp and it's like oh, it, it yeah. seems to be lawnmower man meets uh ghosts in the show huh so um i love transhumanism i'm a big transhumanist so any horror movie based on that i'm there i'm fucking there it's awesome <laughs> Um, All right. Well, let me know. I'm, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You know, this is fucking New York City. When I looked up where, it was all the way in BFE. I'm not going all the way out there to go see a movie. It's, not I mean, it's been out for a, a couple of weeks, though, right? Uh, since uh, mid-April. It's not doing too well, so it's probably dropping out of theaters pretty fast. I'll, I'll just probably have to wait till it comes on Amazon or something. Yeah. So... And, uh, well, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll have to do do like an a den movie review segment or something, and you'll give me your your rundown. Oh, don't make me do that. I know Jack. <laughs> I know what I like. That's about it. I like it. Right. Talks about living forever in a computer and killing anybody who gets in your way. I like. So that. then, did you dig Avatar? Since that was kind of like living forever in like trees. Never seen it. Oh, really? Never saw it. Didn't catch like my interest. Huge summer blockbuster. Well, it had that same sort of concept where you die and your consciousness is sort of sucked into the <laughs> fucking trees and nature and stuff. It was really kind of boring. Maybe you should check it out just to have commentary on, you know, your view of transhumanism um, versus the sort of natural way that that, that show uh, presents it. Because it's the exact same thing living forever inside of some other medium than a human being's body, but it's uh, the a little bit different, you know, natural versus techno. Well, what I heard about Avatar is that it's basically Dances with Wolves, but with blue people and loincloths. Like, oh, I didn't for want, sure. I really like Dances with Wolves. So I'm, I'm not going to not gonna see that movie. <laughs> I, still, I can't believe I still haven't seen it. I've seen a bunch of Avatar pornos. Really? Oh, yeah, there's tons of them. Nerds are loving this shit. <laughs> 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 I've never stumbled across one. That's I'm gonna have to look it up now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll send you some. They're they're kind of boring and yeah. I'm like, okay, you're blue. Con congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> this is like it's always a little weird because I 
like the I, I would imagine part of the fun would be to use their like little tails and their like uh, braid tentacle things. Yeah. But I don't know how you would do that in a traditional porn without like computer animation, you know? Floss. <laughs> Floss right, that right. shit, baby. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start the show. We'll dive in with a little pseudo theology and then we'll jump into Infernal Flummet. Welcome to another Devil's Advocate. Today I'm being joined by Kanaz Falan, a gentleman that I've met through the COS, and he has actually written uh, extensively on Satanism. He's in the middle of a, uh, I guess, research for Anton LaVey's uh, biography. That is correct. It is going to be Anton LaVey's biography. The working title right now is Terrain in Hell. Hell yeah. Nice. All right. Well, you also have uh, an essay up on the Church of Satan's website, Satanism and the Afro-Caribbean Traditions, which if you, uh, as the listener, haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And you might learn something. I know I did. Okay. Uh, for context of this discussion, uh, I, I, I had heard, uh, heard, I had read some of your um, commentary on different social networks. And I thought it would be very interesting. Uh, you seem to be an educated fellow, which <laughs> raises the bar of this podcast <laughs> every time I can get one on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be interesting to have you speak a little bit to the theology of pseudo-Satanists and maybe a little bit of, of compare and contrast with actual Satanism versus what these pseudos uh, claim is Satanism. Well... The theology of pseudo-Satanism is a difficult topic because there really is not a theology. You have people who will be, I am the grand high poobah of the order of the hemorrhoidal ass, and we are here to spread the word about Satanism and to lead you into a new age. Well, where are you leading us? Well, we're leading you into being a mainstream religion. Well, okay, there's, we all want to be a bigger tent and we all want to be accepted. It's like, well, so how are you getting people to gather around you? What are your core ideas? It's like, well, our idea is to get more people around us. It's like, well, this isn't a theology. This is multi-level marketing. <laughs> Anton LaVey from... It sounds odd to talk about an atheist theology, but saying there is no God is a statement about God. And Anton LaVey, according to everything he said, at some point around the year 1955 to 1956, actually most likely around 56, about the time his grandmother died, he had this epiphany where he realizes there is no God there is nobody up there who gives a shit about us. Man alone must be held accountable for his own actions. From 1956 until his death in 1997, that was his guiding principles. I mean, I've scanned a lot of material from the Church of Satan's earliest days 
stuff written after night like 1975 the great schism stuff written after 1984 when diane left and blanche barton took over as second in command i've looked at a lot of that i have never seen yeah i have yet to see a single piece of information which would suggest anton LaVey said i believe in a literal satan it's throughout his career, he was very consistent with his theology, very consistent with the statement of principles. There is a statement of principles within the Church of Satan. You have the nine satanic statements. Well, what is Satan? You, know, you have these satanic rules of the earth. There's an ethical code. You, you have a community of people who have gathered around these ideas and who use them to they get value out of their life. But these are the, you have these ideas. When you look at what you call the pseudo-Satanists, you have, look at me, pay attention to me. Well, why should I pay attention to you? What do you have to say? Well, I have to say, look at me. <laughs> It's like, well, my daughter says that frequently, you know, and sometimes she like starts stomping her feet and throwing toys at me when I don't. But that's not really a philosophy. That's a temper tantrum. <laughs> that, that's actually a really good way to look at uh, the general behaviors of pseudoscientists is, is a temper tantrum against what they feel like it should be for, to them or for them and what it really is. Do you think that, I mean, the need to ignore the astounding history of Anton LaVey's uh, writings uh, and conviction about there not being a Satan, uh, where do you think that comes from when you have people claiming to be Satanists that just try to like either ignore that or like directly turn it around and say, well, he, he was just saying that. So it's like an entrance. And then once you get in, you suddenly realize that there is. Well, I think one of the biggest errors that Anton LaVey made, it was a blunt. It was a, actually a reasonable blunder. Anton LaVey was raised in a second generation secular Jewish household. Satan to him didn't have that kind of sheer emotional payload that it does for somebody who was brought up in a Christian home, especially in a very observant Christian home. Yeah. I think for him, he was sort of like, well, you know, people read Faust and nobody read Faust and decided, you know, I'm going to go sell my soul. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. had a sitcom, Poor Devil. Nobody looked at that and said, you know, hey, Sammy, you know, hey, you want to like make me a King of the Grand High, give me an infernal mandate. I mean, it was, there was never, you know, it was like, well, look, this is obviously a symbol. I mean, people didn't watch The Devil's Disciple and think that was a call for devil worship. So he opens an organization and he calls it the Church of Satan. And a lot of Americans hear that and, ah, Satan has a church now. Then Avon Books releases a copy of a lot of the stuff he'd been passing out at meetings of the COS, and Satan has a Bible now. <laughs> and you know, again, it's kind of like, well, there's the Satanic Bible, there was the Angler's Bible too, you know, there's the Runner's Bible, That's, but Satan, Bible, together, that combination, I think people just took that and ran with it, 
It's one of the most interesting things that happened with the philosophy is the people that saw those memes, saw those images, and just totally missed what the guy who created them was saying. Yeah. It's really, you know, I think he just didn't. You'll also notice after the big schism of 1975, the big break there, you don't see, you see almost no magical references in LeVay's writing. He goes on, he starts talking about himself as a junkyard philosopher. He starts describing Satanism as an aesthetic. And I think a lot of that was just like, dear God, the last time I said this was a religion, nobody got what I was saying. <sighs> So uh, for the benefit of the audience, could you uh, briefly discuss what the, the Great Schism you're referring to is? The Great Schism is like kind of in 1975, Leve Anton LaVey closes down the Grotto's system of the Church of Satan. That was the public groups that are headquartered outside of San Francisco, which have other people leading them. The original idea was, you know, we're going to get a toehold in like all over America. We're going to have like little churches of Satan all over the place. And what you got was little groups of people who were real embarrassing and each one more embarrassing than the last. You got a lot of people that were involved in just really silly antics, a lot of drama. I mean, my favorite take on that, you know, just, I think Vey referred to it as the people who he'd show up in town to meet them and they all showed up in their black robes and then took him to their local Denny's. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, this wasn't what I had in mind. The guy <laughs> yeah. who is running the show, like I'm not running the show. He was working as editor of the Cloven Hoof at the time. He was handling a lot of the grotto stuff is a guy named Michael Aquino. Anybody who remembers us from alt-Satanism knows Michael Aquino and I have a long history and some of it profane. He has actually been quite helpful in the research. He wrote a very long book about his four or five years, I think it was, in The Church of Satan. It's about 1,200 pages and counting called The Church of Satan. And he had an epiphany on June 1st, was it June 1st, 1975, no, June 21st, it was the summer solstice of 75, wherein he has a mystical experience where he, he has an encounter with what he believes to be the Egyptian god Set, and he goes on and creates a religion of his own called Setianism, a group called the Temple of Set. Setianism, I will give him credit, he's the only other person I can think of who has ever created an actual religion called Satanism, like that was linked at all to Satanism. I mean, what he has is far more similar to Thelema, Aleister Crowley's work. There's a lot of a Gnostic influence within it, but it's very, very little to do with the Church of Satan other than Michael Aquino was a member for a few, high-ranking member for a few years. Yeah. The philosophies are very, very different, but there is a, there's a unified philosophy there. I mean, he did, they have put the time in, there are members there who have done some, who have done something with their lives. I would contrast this with your average 
satanic order that's going to take over, come storming the gates and take over the decrepit, beaten up, bankrupt Church of Satan, usually last about a year. If they last two or three, they're doing really, really well. Basically, they generally last until, like, GeoCities closes and then they don't have a website anymore and everybody <laughs> goes off and does something else. It's, you don't, and part of that is you don't have an organization without a coherent ideology of some sort. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to jam together theistic, what they're calling theistic Satanism and the stuff Anton LaVey wrote, you're going to have a real hard time making those two things fit because... LaVey's work was not theistic. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, that different. It's like you're going, it's like trying to say, you know, it's like the, the Tea Party people that want to have Ayn Rand for Jesus. It's like, no, just no, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's like, you know, you can't have Satanism, which you're saying take plays on Anton LaVey and Le, that, you know, we're going to replace Anton LaVey but we're going to have the Baphomets and we're going to have like our prayers to Lucifer and that that's no, that's not what Anton LaVey did. And I've also found from my research, Anton LaVey was the first person to have an organized satanic group. The only other person I've heard his competition was a guy named Herbert Sloan who ran the witch of Endor coven. Fortunately, I was able to talk to somebody who was a member in Ohio in 1968 who got a letter from Herbert Sloan where he described himself. Cat Ironwood had done some research on this and said that in her book, she felt that Sloan had started Witch of Endor in the 40s and that it was a satanic organization. He told... Like Herbert Sloan in 1968 told another COS member that he had been a quote covenator for 40 for about 30 years. In 1938, Herbert Sloan was a spiritualist. He was a member of the spiritualist church for most of that time. So far as I could see, he never started calling his organization satanic until after he joined the Church of Satan. And did he then? And this is actually an, an interesting thought here. Um, it's spurred by by your your commentary here. When referring to oneself uh, and the religion that you're manufacturing, uh, uh, this gentleman here, did he refer to himself as the, the group as a Satanist group, or was that from the outside? That he referred, referred that to from the outside. He had like a lot of stuff in common with Anton Lavey. They both liked burlesque a lot. Sloan had been a professional palmist, so he was in the Met game. He had worked so a lot of, he shared a lot of interests other than occult stuff with Anton LaVey. This is in the early days. Anton LaVey found him to be a cool character. And it's like, oh yeah, Herbert's wandering off again about talking to the horned man in the woods. Ha ha ha. For all the stuff about Anton LaVey and the COS being a, fa- being a fascist organization, you can actually, like, Anton LaVey was a very tolerant person so long as you didn't challenge his authority. Yeah. I mean, there was basically, you didn't challenge his authority or become a public embarrassment. And sometimes you can get away with being a public embarrassment for a while. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, whenever, I mean, looking back, thinking back about uh, 
the era the Church of Satan came up in, it makes perfect sense to me that the 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 people at the time, you know, and you can see this reflected in like Satanus, for example, didn't fully grasp what he was saying. Um didn't didn't fully understand what they were really even doing there it seems at times even um they just liked the 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 cachet of it you know the, the the emotional resonance with it more than actually believing everything you get this a lot with pseudos where they want to be a part of something they find either terrifying or inspiring or uh, you know um empowering but they try to drag in their own baggage with it and, and sort of set up shop. And, you know, looking back from where we are now, we have that entire period of American history of the religious right coming up into power of um, the Satan or the um, uh, satanic panic um, flushing our, our view of the early church of Satan. But, and so it's easy looking back saying, oh, well, these groups said that they were Satanists and, and you know, they acted that way. But it's coming from a position of anything that's not Christian and is somehow not in line with God could be labeled Satan. So there's no real credence, to, in my opinion, to anything prior um, to, like, the era of the Church of Satan being formed as saying, well, that was Satanism. Well, we, it's easy to look back and say that was Satanism, but that, you know, obviously well, it, it wasn't. And, and just because... Anton LaVey, Satanism was not something you did. It was something you accused other people of doing. You read your yes. Dennis Wheatley novel and it's like, oh, look, there's the evil Satanists. You know, mm -hmm. George Bernard Shaw and the Devil's Disciple, I could think of, you know, saying, you know, I, I made a vow to stand by him in this life and to stand beside him in the next... You know, Huck Finn, I'll go, of course, I'll go to hell. But there really wasn't an occult order specifically dedicated to Satan. Nobody was saying they were going to form a church of Satan. There was no, uh, there was certainly no above ground satanic order. Like, certainly he was the first person to come out in public and say, you know, I am a Satanist and my organization is dedicated to Satan. Absolutely the first. I mean, I've seen, like, you know, like I said, I've looked through the history. I've seen one guy, I think, run something called the Synagogue of Satan, has tried very, very, very hard to create a non-Lefeyan Satanism. And it's he's gone to Taxil, he's gone to Jules Michelet, he wrote a book called La Sorcerie. It's been translated into English as Satanism and Witchcraft. It's kind of a Marxist text. He went to all of this stuff, but nobody can show me anybody who was running an actual satanic organization before 1966. Yeah. It just, when you're using that label, it's the pseudo-Satanists could not exist if Anton LaVey didn't create something and call it Satanism in 1966. That's just, you know, it's basically... You are playing that game. You know, people have tried to do, you know, I've seen the dark pagan, like dark paganism stuff, stuff which basically it's not Anton LaVey. I think one thing he did 
with that is a, been a wonderful tonic to the new age is l allowing people a chance to explore their shadow. Unfortunately, very few people have done it in a smart way. Yeah. Most of them have been like, you know, well, I want to dress up like, you know, I want to dress up like a guar reject and like come out because that's <laughs> satanic. It's like, well, no, that's silly. <laughs> right. Let me, uh, let me ask you a little bit about the the, the modern pseudos and in your opinion um, that have been cropping up now. You know, obviously, since the Church of Satan has come into existence, there have been individuals uh, trying, as you mentioned before, trying to start groups and petering out, uh, trying to steal the content and it just not holding. Um, why do what? Where does this persistence come in your well, opinion? As far as the persistence goes. In 40 years going on 50, there is one group that has actually managed to survive more than a few years. And the only reason, you know, well, there's several reasons why the Temple of Set survived, but one of the big reasons is they had a coherent set of guidelines and set of moral and ethical and philosophical principles. You may disagree with those principles, you may think they're silly. That's fine. You know, it's you're not a member. People who are members think there's something there. Most of the pseudos don't do that. What they have, you know, they don't have a religion. They've got a mailing list. Yeah. It's they basically they're it's a bunch of people who are getting together and we're going to talk about Satanism. And, you know, hey, you're going to be the grand high poobah of like New York City. Hey, fantastic. You know, I'm the leader of the satan. I'm the grand high poobah of our order of Lucifer in, in New York City, or more precisely, it's my basement apartment in Long Island, but let's not, <laughs> let's not push it. You know, it's like, there's no, like, well, and what do you do? It's like, well, what do you believe? I got, like, bounced from one group that had just started up where they were, I don't even remember what their name was at this time. It was the blank of blank something. They were some... The question I asked was, okay, if you're atheistic Satanists, what are you doing that's different than the Church of Satan? And if you're theistic Satanists, what are you doing that's different than the Temple of Set? Five minutes later, I was gone. <laughs> nice. Because it was just like, well, what are you, you know, you're telling me you're like the new satanic organization. Okay, are you one of the, like, let's... Actually, diabolists would be a better use for that. I mean, there was already a word in place for people that wanted to do rituals like dedicated to various demonic entities. It was called diabolism, demonolatry. That's fine. Call it that. That's not Satanism as it's used today. There's people yeah. who you want to be one. Are you one of those people? Or are you a person who says, well, I've read Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible. I think it's a worthwhile book and there's a lot of meaning and stuff to be done in there. And like, I want to do it. And it's like, well, okay, so what are you doing that the Church of Satan isn't already doing? I mean, hey, I got a great idea. Let's go teabag some guy's mother's grave. <laughs> well, that's actually a really good one transition. Thing I can think of that might have won sympathy for Fred Phelps, and you morons did it. <laughs> it is stunning that, that, that he could be, you know— uh, pitied for an event and and that that is absolutely one that you're like oh come on <laughs> come on yeah. uh, that's like you bring up a really good point because um there have been uh groups that don't really have focus they don't have any 
point. Um, and then there's this one that's getting a lot of media attention lately because of their PR stunts. Um, well, Anton so LaVey did PR stunts for a few years. Anton LaVey, from the beginning, was trying to get an idea across. Man is carnal. Indulgence is good. You know, there is like life is the great indulgence. Death is the great abstinence. I mean, mm -hmm. Most of those ideas, he was doing it in the days of the topless witches' Sabbath. I'm seeing, you know, it's the Satanic Temple is trying to get a lot of public attention. Why? What are you like? What are you doing with it? I mean, I see the Oklahoma thing. Well, you want to have a satanic monument. So you did this kind of cheesy Baphomet thing that looks like you got it at Spencer Gifts. It's like, I would have loved to see, well, why don't you get a picture of Huck Finn sitting there saying, all right, then I'll go to hell and talk a little bit about the history of Oklahoma and how the Christian, you know, the Christian powers that be were behind things like the reservation schools. Yeah. The Greenwood riots. It's like talk about that. You know, get you want to get people talking about that. Right now, what you're doing is essentially getting attention for yourself. It's what you know. I keep hearing about these stunts. I see the interviews and they talk about the stunts. It's like, what do you hope to accomplish with this? And it's like, well, to get people talking about Satanism. It's like, well, we're doing that now. Like. How are you going to apply this? What kind of changes do you want to see in the world? It's like, well, I want to teabag like Fred Phelps' mother's grave. It's like, well, wonderful. Like, what's in that for me? I should become part of your big community. Yeah. And and it's it's always <laughs> it's funny because it, it's always about that individual wanting to, you know, make some statement and maybe just the idea of making a statement is the statement um, that they're trying to do. But there's there's a fundamental misunderstanding, I th I think. Um, it sort of goes beyond their attempts at, you know, um, being equal and, and liked by everyone. It's that that's not Satanism. Like yeah, we are not a collective of people Satanism that unifyingly unite. Satanism. Satanism is a real. You know, Levey's vision of Satanism was not a reaction to Christianity. It was a re it was a reaction to the status quo. That's one of the big things. A lot of the pseudos don't get right. Christianity is not the cause of our problems. It's a symptom of our problems. You take Christianity away, people do stupid things in the name of their favorite football team. Yeah. I mean, it's like you, the problem is humans are pack animals and, you know, we're territorial pack animals. That means we like to fight with each other. You know, religion gives us a convenient excuse to do it. That's also, I would say, the big difference between Satanism and new atheism. Satanism's not utopian. Like you, atheists, the new atheists are like, oh, when we get rid of superstition, the world's going to be a much better place. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look how well that worked in Russia, China and North Korea. Yeah. Oh, and then there's response. Well, that's not real atheism. Ah. <laughs> it is funny because you know all all these uh, alternative uh, and pseudo groups have have this kumbaya element to them, which is um, antithetical to everything Satanism stands for, and 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 it's like this hive mind, which is something that's abjectly anti-Satanism. So. It's really a fascinating. Group from the hoary days of Usenet called the Order, the Church of Satanic Unity, where their whole thing was satanic unity. And it's like, 
The most important thing like Peter Gilmore and Peggy Nadrami and Blanche Barton do isn't telling people what Satanism is. It's telling them what Satanism isn't. You want to know what Satanism is, you can pick up the Satanic Bible. A smart 14-year-old can get everything in it. You need somebody who's got the clout to say, no, that idiot that's talking about having bestiality as a Satanic ritual is not one of us. No, that guy who's saying that, like, you know, serial killers are, like, really cool and that, like, you know, Richard Ramirez is the height of, sat of Satanism. No, just no. Because when you unify with people, you generally do so because they're going to do something for you. When you unify with an idiot, you spend all your time explaining for that idiot. <laughs> they never thought about that. Well, yeah, we want to unify. Oh, that's great. That's just what the Church of Satan needs. A few, needs a few child molesters, a couple of serial killers. Yeah, that'll really be. That'll do it for us. Yeah, that'll clarify everything, and we'll be. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> be accepted like you want. In the mainstream religion. Oh, that's funny. Well, um, we can go on forever. And if you're willing, I would love to have you back on to, to continue uh, not only this discussion, but, you know, just Satanism in general or, or LeVay himself in your studies. Yeah, no, I have been, like I said, I've been really fascinated by that. The one thing I must admit that I was really fascinated by was how much the doc told the truth. Yeah. A lot of it, there's been, I've found a pretty fair amount of documentation haven't yet got you Marilyn Monroe, but I'm pretty certain he worked in a circus. He claimed he worked as a musician for a few years. And, well, everybody who knew him, including the people who hated him, said he was a musical genius. I mean, there's absolutely no reason he wouldn't have been working as a musician. In fact, it would have been the most logical thing for him to do. Yeah. But yeah. that's another one. The people who are convinced LeVay was a liar and a con artist. It's like, no, Anton LeVay had a lot of integrity. If Anton LeVay had been a con artist, he'd still be doing black masses and would have made a lot more money than he did. That's actually a really good point. And uh, I think it's going to be the one to bring us home here. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Kanaz Valon, for taking time and, and speaking with me and uh, to the benefit of the audience. I, I think everyone's going to love it. Oh, no, my, my pleasure. I hope everybody's having a good night and, Indulgent and whatever makes them feel indulgent. Absolutely. Well, until we can chat again, which I hope is soon, take, hail Satan. Take care. Hail Satan. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, friends? Uh, Infernal Foreman. Get on the truck. Get out now. California's Condoms in Porn Bill, AB 1576, Clears Assembly Labor Committee. And this is from um, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, the upbeat <laughs> news source, uh, 03 April 2014. Assembly Bill 1576 uh, represented Isidore Hall's bill to require condoms in all adult films made in California, cleared the Committee on Labor and Employment in California Assembly in a 5-0 vote with one absence and one abstention today and now moves on to assembly arts and entertainment committee california assembly bill 1576 landmark bill to require condoms in all adult films made statewide in california clear this i just fucking read that why do they fucking repeat it like that because they're it. they're aids people and they're just gonna keep saying <laughs> the same thing at you over and over and over again Okay, so this bill was introduced by uh, Isidore, Isidore Hall III, they make a point to point out, um, in mid-February, and uh, now it's moving on to the Legislative's Art, Entertainment, Sports, Tourism, and Internet Media Committee. Um, chair of the committee, 
and who abstained from voting on a similar bill last year, voted in favor of the bill this year and spoke passionately about the importance of protecting workers in the adult industry. Mm. Adult performers who... (laughs) Sorry. Was that a fart or a raspberry? (laughs) It was a sign of my content. (laughs) Dissension! Um, Cameron Bay, adult film performer who became infected with HIV while working in the adult industry in August 2013. Rod Daly, adult film performer who became HIV positive while working again. And Tiffany Maples, former performer. Jesse Rogers, former performer. Darren James, uh, performer who also became infected this time in 03. And infected three females, actually. That's, oh, it's nice. Okay, so the quote, today's 5-0 to zero vote for the bill was a strong reaffirmation of the California legislature's committee to protecting workers in the state, regardless of the type of work performed. For too long, the adult film industry has thrived on a business model that exploits its workers and puts profit over the workplace safety, said Assemblymember Isidore Hall III. The Assembly Labor and... In- Okay, well, the committee rejected the opposition's argument because they were based on fear, not facts. The fact is, adult film actors are employees, like any other employee for any other business in the state. A minimum level of security and safety, I added security in the workplace, should not have to be negotiated. We need to begin to treat the adult film industry just like any other legitimate legal business in California. Legitimate businesses follow the law. Legitimate businesses protect their employees from injury in the workplace. This legitimate legal business should be treated no differently. In the last year, at least two additional adult performers, Cameron Bray and Rod Daly, sadly became infected with HIV while working in the industry, said Michael Weinstein, president of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. AB 1576 expands and broadens workers' protections for all California's adult film workers on a statewide basis. We are grateful that Assemblymember Hall has shown the courage and vision. They're already sucking dick. They just can't stop. To recognize that workers in the adult film industry are entitled to the same safeguards and worker protections that any employee in California is. And we will do whatever we can to help pass this legislation. To date, the industry has not been able to persuade anyone but themselves that the industry should be able to to profit on their performer's work without providing basic protection, said Whitney Angeren Cordova, Senior Director of Public Health for AHF. We thank the Labor Committee for its swift and favorable action on this bill today. Um, This bill does what other legislators can do, give clear direction to Cal OSHA to settle definitions surrounding worker safety measures on adult film set workplaces throughout California. This is common sense. This is good public policy, and it protects California workers simply trying to do their jobs. AIDS Healthcare Foundation, the sponsor of the Hall's legislator, I'm sorry, legislation successfully spearheaded ballot measure B, the County of Los Angeles Safer Sex in the Adult Film Industry Act, more informally known as the Condoms in Porn Measure, which Los Angeles County voters approved by 57 to 43 percent margin in the 2012 election. Measure B requires producers of adult films to obtain a public health permit from the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health and pay a permit fee for sufficient... um, sufficient for necessary enforcement and follow all health and safety laws, including condoms use by performers, 
Uh, the bill will expand upon workplace protections now requiring Los Angeles County to protect all adult film actors through the state of California. Legislation will provide statewide uniformity needed to ensure that thousands of actors employed in this multi-billion dollar industry are given reasonable workplace safety protections needed to reduce exposure to HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases. What do you think? Fuck this bill. They already get <laughs> tested. All like repeatedly. You have to. Before you can work, you have to get tested. And don't quote me on it, but I think you have to pop negative <coughs> twice. Once saliva and once blood. <coughs> what the hell? Do you have a chihuahua over there? What's, what's going on? No, I just fucking took a drink of my uh, <coughs> center's red and it went down the wrong pipe. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I so is <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I'm I'm gonna ask anyway. Is there like, and I I don't know how to, to <laughs> describe it, but an infected phase without coming up in results? Yeah, it's called undetectable. So is that is that an issue in your opinion? No, that they may carry because, it but not come up as positive. No, because I think. Uh, Undetectable is kind of like having cancer, but it being in remission. It's there. If I remember right, I'm sorry, I'm sick, so my head's all fuzzy. But um, if I remember right, it's there, you'll pop. But it's more, it's just not doing anything. That's like the goal of anybody who's HIV positive is to stay undetectable. Um, but no, they can, there's already laws and uh, regulations uh, self-imposed in the porn industry about this. They practice Sarah's, uh, shit, what's it called? Sarah, Sarah, Sarah's sorting. It's, um, you know, you take PrEP, which is this pill. It's like a super AIDS pill. I call it the gay after pill. Say <laughs> I bear back with a stranger and he comes in my ass. I can go to the hospital and I'll get PrEP. I take PrEP for 30 days and it pretty much deletes any chance of catching HIV. Now, you can also take PrEP every day. Um, just, and it, I think the it's 92% effective, so with condoms, you're pretty much guaranteed to not get HIV. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the actors take PrEP. A lot of them, they go and get tested all the fucking time. And they're not forced to do bareback porn. You can't force an employee to do bareback porn. That's ridiculous. But God damn it, I can't bareback myself. I want to see other people doing it. <laughs> ridiculous. So it's just cuddling. so I understand. So you're against it primarily because there's already, in your opinion, sufficient um, regulation in place. So there's no need for additional? Uh. Yeah, but also, I don't like being cuddled. We have to protect our employees. No, you don't. Let them protect themselves. Um, how do I put this? It will, it, it's just individual responsibility. You want to, you, if you want to make sure you don't get HIV, wear a fucking condom and, you know, even with the condom, don't come in the ass um, or in the pussy or any, you know. Come in the ear. That's fine. You can't catch anything except earwax. <laughs> so my opinion is pretty much, why the hell are you taking care of these people? They are big. They are big boys and girls. They know what they're doing. And besides, I, think, 
the amount of adult entertainers in this industry compared to the amount of people who have gotten infected, they're, it's, they're blowing this completely out of proportion. Yeah. Think about how many times they have sex every, every month. To me, it seems pretty clear why they put this bill out there. Um, and I don't think it has anything to do with AIDS. It, it seems to me, I mean, everyone knows that California is in horrible financial uh, governmental state. And, and all they do is try to sap every bit of money out of every member of that um, that state already. But they, they said straight up in this article, just a little bit further in, that it would force the companies that want to... Um, film in California to get a permit for the necessary protections of enforcement. And so it's just, it's about money. Like they want more money. And so they figure this is a really great way because tons of porn is shot in California to get tons of money. And this is an industry that is huge that they haven't really been able to tap yet. So if they can figure out a way to tap it, they're, they're, I mean, they'll bear back that shit with their yeah, wallet. I, I was waiting for, for it. I was waiting <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all they're doing. Um, and okay. So, you know, on the face of this, the idea of protecting your employees, you know, to making sure that they're wearing condoms so that they don't, um, contract a, a potential disease. Well, it sounds great. And on the surface, I have no problem with it, except that if I, if, I, don't know if, I don't know if any of you guys do, but I watch porn and, and every time I see a condom, I fucking turn it off. I will not watch porn with condoms. It is a weird, <laughs> like I don't even wear condoms. So why the fuck do I want to watch someone else wear them? It is uncomfortable. And I know that, you know, some people are going to think that that's uh, strange or, uh, um, you know, fucking whatever. But I, I, I don't like watching porn with condoms. I don't. And I don't want to see a dude like ready to fucking blow his load on this girl's chest, like whip off a condom right before he does. That's going to take me out of the moment. You know, yeah, I mean, it's baby, just, let me rip off this rubber for you. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on one second, baby. And he's like, it's fucking fighting with it. Or he's like pulling too hard on one side and it just gets weird. And kind of no. condom malfunctions have you had? Mine, mine is that they break. Well, not anymore. I finally found a condom that worked. You know, when I taught, I never thought condoms were particularly um, they're not uncomfortable. They never bothered me. I mean, yeah, I've, I've bareback before topping and bottoming. Now bottoming when I have a dick up my ass. Yeah. That's when the condom really bothers me. Oh, it's just so irritating. Like, God damn it. This is just, this is uncomfortable. I have, I have fucking rubber up my ass. This ain't cool. <laughs> I have to put, it's the smell that bothers me. What kind Condom of condoms do you, have you used? And honestly, it's been so long. I could not give you a. I mean, I'm assuming they were Trojan, but I could not say for sure. Mm. But, my favorite's bare skin. It's Trojan. Oh yeah, it's the closest I've come to barebacking. Okay. I miss barebacking so much. Like there was always a smell associated with condoms every single time I used them as a kid, and it <laughs> always bothered me. Like I love the smell of pussy. Like I like it. I don't want to smell anything while, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just this fucking weird smell that came with it. It, it always turned me off to it. That's disgusting. 
Because <laughs> I wasn't conscious gotten. before. Now, now I am. <laughs> I, I don't like laws that force people to um to uh I'm gonna just say this way. I don't like laws that force people to protect themselves. We gotta protect you because you're you're not a responsible human being. I don't like coddling. And then that's exactly what laws like this do. Um, it, it's it's sort of a double whammy. I mean, it's it's not only the definition of nanny state, um, though you can argue that any protection, like employers' protection laws, are similar to that uh, on its face. It, you know, this nanny state. Like, we need to make sure. You know, it's a lot about liability, and it's about the the state dipping their fingers into the the bigger pie of the industry. Um, <laughs> they're having an American pie moment is that what you're trying to say here Adam <laughs> they are fucking your wallet that's what I'm saying damn it oh, okay just, I needed a no it's it just, it's so fucking absurd um, I don't and th this is exactly why they are tested so frequently yeah so that the, so that you don't have to worry about stuff like this and like you said, like the, I think they were saying like three people in the last, oh, I'm trying to scan this to find the date reference, um, 2012, maybe? Yeah. The rate of HIV infection when it comes to adult entertain, uh, entertainers is so wildly low. It's um, warts, herpes, and chlamydia that, that's big, but you know, get a shot, it's over. But that's actually interesting. There's a new strain. They're talking about a new strain of gonorrhea that's resistant. But that, they've been talking about that for years. Oh, boy. Yeah. every Everything is going to evolve. So we just got to find something else to kill it. That's all. Oh, boy. All right. This is, this is why I, I'm glad I only have sex with one person. Shit like this terrifies me. Uh, tell me about it. Genetically modified gonorrhea. <laughs> Oh, what the fuck? No, that's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. See, everyone knows gonorrhea. It's a force of nature. <laughs> gonorrhea. <laughs> Crushing city. Yeah. No, no. Green blob <laughs> taking over Tokyo. It's <laughs> gonorrhea. Oh, there comes the gonorrhea. <laughs> Do not let it drip on you. Yeah, good times. Uh, All right. This, this bill, I mean, it's going to put friends of mine out of work. And that's for personal reasons, that's what really pisses me off. It's going to put friends of mine out of work. So Bear here's what I would more. see happening. I mean, wouldn't they just move from California to Nevada, the, the filmers? Well, there's a the reason businesses? why a lot of porn industries are headquarters are in New York and all their shooting goes on in California. The laws are a lot more lax. It's hard to shoot porn in any other state. Huh. Um, besides, if that's if um, I believe the way it works is if let's say Penthouse has a studio in California, doesn't matter where they're shooting, they have to follow that law. If it's being sold in California anyway. Hmm. That's yeah. Sounds strange to me. 
it's just it's probably what what if um when this goes through what's probably going to happen is um they're just going to lose a lot of business they're like all right let's yeah. go somewhere else because the barebacking is a big thing and those porn stars are paid a lot more it's like being um it's like being a straight guy in gay porn. You're always going to make a lot more money than any gay guy or a gay guy in straight porn. Or if you're just bisexual, you're going to get paid a shit ton more than anybody else. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? No, don't. <laughs> don't. Don't do that. <laughs> you're, not, you're not cool enough <laughs> to be a straight guy in gay porn or a bi guy. You're a simple married man. Ha! <laughs> ah. Damn normality. Yeah. 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 Well, let's do this next one here. Uh, I think. I mean, I think we're both on the same page with that that bill, though. I, I. I don't think it's there's a real reason that it needs to be there. There's enough uh, protections in place right now, industry wide. So it's it would be stupid not to protect your people in some way. That's why they have the tests. Otherwise, they just won't have fucking actors. You know, I mean, yeah, it's like it just makes perfect laws, sense. It's like some of the laws in New York. You can't buy certain sizes of soda because diabetes and uh, diabetes. That's right. And obesity are big problems. Remember, <laughs> big, big problems. So we have to take away all the sugary drinks from people. No, no. Give let them drink their two liters of soda and die, and drain, um, drain drain the money that for that goes into healthcare. Go ahead, let it all burn, <laughs> fall. Stop I wouldn't mind if they were fall. forced to take care of their own bills. I just don't want to have to pay for it. That's my concern. I just don't care. Every time I look at my paycheck, I just want to cry. I'm like, you know, I just let it. <laughs> Let it all go downhill. That's it. There, there's a, a fair amount of depression every time I see a paycheck. Cause I'm like, I know what I should be making, and this is all, I, all I'm really making. So bad. <laughs> I remember my dad calculated for me why I should never work over 50 hours during a week. He's like, actually, son, don't work over 45. Here, let's do the math. I'm like, he's like, yeah, that's right. Those broke-ass bitches who don't have jobs get most of your money. I'm like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> Like that's right. <laughs> anyway, right. let's go to the next one. <laughs> All right. So this is the blaze. The blaze. Why the fuck did you guys shoot him? Video captured teens' raw reaction after witnessing officers fatally shoot man. This is posted May 21, 2014. A video shot by a teenager captured footage of California police fatally shooting a man Tuesday in addition to her raw reaction. Why the fuck do you guys shoot him? Uh, Joanna Preto, 19, can be heard screaming at officers in the video. Fucking idiots. You guys are fucking idiots. Officers had first been called to the scene after a woman reported the unidentified man exposed himself, attempted to force his way into the central California residence, and tried to kill her dog. Officers found the man walking down the street with the guarding shears in his hand, Selena's police commander, Vince Miorana, told the Monterey Herald. Officers ended up talking to this individual, trying to find out what he's doing and what the situation was based upon uh, the original 911 call. He continued, 
This individual started to wave the gardening shears at the officers. We tried to deploy a taser. The taser did not work. And as the officers tried to detain this individual, this individual pulled the gardening shears and actually attacked the officers with the gardening shears. In response, the officers, fearing for their personal safety, shot this individual and he is now deceased. Mirana concluded. An investigation into this incident is now underway, but the department, uh, the district attorney, will then complete a separate investigation and will be the ultimate deciding authority, Mirana told the Herald. Video of the incident quickly went viral when Preto uploaded video of her personal Facebook page. According to the Herald, she provided the footage to officers before posting the footage online. In her post, she reportedly apologized for her vulgar language. The video provides a graphic account of the incident, recording the unidentified man's final moments after being shot multiple times by officers. Mirana said both cops fired at the man. There's some split-second decisions that have to be made by the officer, he told the Herald. When the officers commanded this individual to drop the shears and to get down on the ground, the individual actually attacked the officer with the gardening shears. So did you watch this video? I did not. I just found it. There, was a, there wasn't a link in the, the thing the jigger. Um, oh, you should watch it. We should watch it together. You want to you wanna hit play together? Oh, that's... You know how long I've been waiting for you to say that to me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. All, right. All right. One. Two. Three. Three. Fuck, mine's not working. <laughs> Mother <laughs> bitch. All right, I've actually already seen this soon. Oh. I think it's it, it's a good video to watch. I wonder why mine's not playing. Because the freedom. What's yours? What point are you at? Uh, oh, they just shot him. Why is all this stuff so boring in real life? Seriously. <laughs> There's no cinematographer. The lighting <laughs> is just flat. So it's flat. It's just not very good. All right, so, I mean, this whole video starts with uh, this girl with the camera sort of, you know, across, like kitty corner across the street watching the officers. And there's definitely a point where, at least to me, I heard like the click of a taser go off. But I didn't see anything happen from that point. And so later when she's yelling at them at the end of this after they've shot him, she's like, why did you shoot him? Why didn't you use your taser, fucking idiots? Well, first of all, I'm wondering... Like, I'm, I'm making some wild assumptions, but she sounds pretty fucking Latino to me. Why the fuck is she, like, what kind, if these were regular police officers, she would be tased on the ground. Like, most cops are douchebags that will not allow people to yell at them from across the street. Like, there's, there's usually a, re a shitty reaction. So she's got some cojones <laughs> <laughs> for fucking screaming at these, these officers like that. But, um... Yeah, initially I was like, it does look at that end right before they drop him. It does look like he's like right up in that officer's face. And if I was that officer and that dude had shears coming at me, I, I would have fucking shot him too. Yeah, I can't blame cops. I think people are a bit too harsh with cops when they when they shoot someone. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and he was coming at me. What the hell did you want me to do? They're like, well, you're... You're supposed to protect and serve. Yeah, right now I had to protect and serve my own ass. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they could have shot him in the kneecap or something, though. I don't know. I, and I do think it, it's hard to it's hard to make any judgment when you're not right there. But if like, you know, imagining a dude coming at you 
literally a couple feet from you with gardening shears, I would not be thinking, oh, let me hit him in his shoulder, <laughs> you know? So he drops yeah. the like. I would be thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to get stabbed with a fucking gardening shear. And let's, I mean, this guy's not an innocent fucking dude. He fucking exposed himself and tried to break into someone's home, which I'm sure at that time he broke in, he wasn't just going to ask for tea. So it's not like he's some innocent fucking dude, like pedestrian. This is a, potentially a, a physical assault or rape that was fucking stopped. I mean, it, it's not far of a jump to make that uh, assumption. And then too, I know it's it. I, I'm with you where where it's it's we it's it's very easy and actually I do it a lot to blame cops um, because we see. You know, you only see the really bad ones doing stuff because they're always caught on film or they're always reacting to cell phone cameras and stuff like that. Right. Um, but the, there's a genuine threat for being a cop. And especially when you're trying to subdue someone, when your taser malfucking functions and you're literally like, oh shit, I can't stop this dude with my taser. I have to use, you know, my weapon to try to scare him down. And he's coming at me with fucking shears. What did you want? Like, you know, if as if I was speaking to this woman, what the fuck did you want him to do? Like, hug it out? Like, just get up in there close? That's not how it works. Motherfucker would have been stabbed. Like, Now, I mean, we, we should be strict and harsh with officers as a general rule. I mean, any anybody who has an authority or some kind of power, you should be far. You should be held to a higher standard and punished a lot more severely. So when cops do something wrong and they're punished, um, what could be arguably a great deal more than what they actually did, I see nothing wrong with that. So I'm like, hey, power, authority, you, uh, there you go, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it looked like he, he was coming at them with the shears. But the thing is, they're trained to disarm before killing. You don't, you're not supposed to kill them unless you absolutely have to. They're coming at you, shoot them in the knee, shoot them in the shoulder, shoot them in the foot, shoot them in the dick, whatever. But no, no. <laughs> dick shot. Oh, God, I'd rather die. I don't know. Oh, well, you know, I could live as a woman for a little bit. That'd, that'd be interesting. That would be, oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, that'd be interesting. I'd go around and fuck a bunch of straight guys. Bareback so I couldn't get pregnant. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> and, then, and then when I'm done, they're like, oh, shit, shit, don't get knocked out. Like, don't worry, I used to be a man. I can't be. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, so, yeah, it did boy. look like she was coming, he was coming at them with the shears. But I didn't see anything yeah, I mean, with the taser. To me, aside from it being like a movie where they did like a, a clean, like grab the sh- arm with the shears and fucking wrench him around and flatten him on the ground takedown. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would have probably done the exact same thing. And, you know, there's a lot of videos like this where, uh, I mean, one was a dog, like a fucking Rottweiler coming oh. at a guy because they were trying to detain the um, the owner of the Rottweiler. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with them shooting this dude, even though I do agree with you that they are, tra- or I would say these two should have been trained to take, like physically take someone down versus, and I do think there is, you know, this general idea of it's easier to shoot because the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be put on paid leave because of the fucking police unions. I'm still going to get paid even if I am found guilty and I'm going to be like just put on fucking leave 
Oh, no, like, that's not true. Cops found guilty of a bad shooting. They threw the book at his ass. Really? Yeah, but even when it's ruled to be a good shooting, yeah. they'll, still, they'll still be punished. Just nowhere near as severely. Like, they'll be tied to a desk and, you know, they're, um, they're, it goes on file as goes on their file and it's um you're watched a lot more closely pretty much everything you do after that is scrutinized because um what is it the there was in california again some uh guys that were some police officers that were chasing um some uh black guys that did, uh, robbed this liquor store or something like that and they came up upon these two latin girls in a car that didn't even match the um the model of the stolen car that, that was sort of the getaway vehicle of these two black guys and they unloaded their their weapons into the car killing these two latin girls and they were put on suspension uh with pay and they were found uh, justified in killing these two women, even though they had nothing to literally innocent women, but they, they were just, they were they sort of given a pass. And this yeah. was in California too. So when, you, when there's those, you know, one cases in a million that happen, I, I really don't know the actual interval, um, benefit of the doubt there, it's enough to skew reality the way people see cops. And so when you do see any killing, whether it's lawful, justified or not, you immediately assume, and especially because nowadays we're forced with this idea of, of living in a police state where we have no rights and, you know, it, it's okay for cops and the government to spy on us, but it's not okay for us to film cops in general. They get crazy pissed off. And so there is this sort of us versus them mentality that, that we're sort of raised with. Um, it's exciting, isn't it? Can't yeah, wait to so see when this all go, where this all goes. <laughs> My diatribe or just in general society? So, uh, both. Your diatribes <laughs> always end somewhere absolutely fascinating, like with shape-shifting penises and... Barbecue and so it's not a surprise when you're laying there watching videos like this and you get hard. It's just, <laughs> it happens is what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus. I can really, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, in this particular case, I'm, I'm okay with the cop shooting the dude. Like I have no issue with that. I'm fine I, with it. The, the majority of people watching this that have watched this and, and why it got so popular is because they don't, they think it is some travesty. The dude was flashing his cock and he was trying to break into someone's home. <laughs> he tried to stab police. At what point is it okay to kill someone? <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah. I'd say trying to, like, kill police is a pretty good place to, you know, be killed. All right, so, uh, yeah, Thank let's take a short here. break. And on the other end, we'll talk about, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> The top hated and the low-browed. With a scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, Thou in sick style will mote altars. Be not of love, but of lust. And to one of those full, 
no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their king. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers, a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands-on warriors. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Milton Eroticism. I'm a Den Arden. I'm sick as hell. My head is fuzzy, as is my butt and my ball sack. So I'm going to do my best with this. It is no secret that I love fantasy, fiction, and I admire people who dedicate themselves to completely drowning in their fantasy. Too bad that people, more often than not, don't imprint their dreams on reality and instead play voyeur in some sort of escapism. People seem to behave in a perpetual out-of-body experience, watching themselves like they're playing The Sims. Which I love. I love The Sims. (laughs) You are incapable of being completely objective. Especially in regards to looking at yourself. Humans tend to, quite literally look so quite literally look at how they feel and what they think instead of what actually is this is tied in with last month's episode of plato's fetishes we can use our compulsive body dysmorphic tendencies and our projections to our advantage to our advantage and reconnect with our body to reach new depths of carnality You have to strip away anything that would make you look more pleasurable to yourself and confront exactly what you are in the mirror. Most people will do this and immediately start judging. Well, go ahead and do it. Telling you not to do it won't stop it from happening. It's just, it's like eating a cake and saying, I feel so fat right now. You're taking, you know, don't just don't pay any attention to the thought. But just let that condemnation go on without much reaction. When touching yourself, State what you are touching, feel what it feels like, and stare at it. I just realized that sounds incredibly dirty. Anyway, so look at yourself. Don't use lighting. Don't suck in your stomach or your pelvis. Just lay in the sunlight and look at yourself. There's a trick I used to use when working out for motivation. Uh, because I'm incredibly vain, perhaps. But I would put a mirror in front of my treadmill, my bedroom, and run towards myself. Because I'm the man I've always wanted. (laughs) As I ran, the image in the mirror would transform into the body I wanted. Uh, Here we're doing something uh, rather similar, but as your hands travel across your flesh, you'll notice what you actually You'll notice what you actually look like and accept it. This is fundamental in Lesser Magic as well, knowing what you look like. But now understand that when I say accept it, I'm not telling you that you're perfect just the way you are and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm telling you to accept what you look like. Think of it like recognizing the law of gravity before understanding how to use it to your advantage. Like pushing some asshole off a cliff. This applies to connecting to your body sexually as well. 
helps you discover what areas turns you on, as well as help you become hyper aware of another person's body. Consciously interacting with another human being or yourself is the goal. It brings you down to earth, so to speak. Lay in bed, let the sun cover your fully nude body and begin to start exploring yourself. And don't go for anywhere obvious like the penis, vagina, anus, or nipples. Bad nipples. Start with something like your sides. State either in your head or out loud what you're doing. Pay attention to the way it feels. Personally, I think a mirror is a very important part of these little exercises. But when reconnecting with the feeling, a mirror can just kind of get in the way. Remember not to fantasize. This is all about confronting reality as much as humanly possible by using your senses. Smell yourself. Listen to how your breathing changes depending on where you're touching. Notice how your skin feels, uh, where it's soft, where it's rough. The, look at the lines on your feet. Spend some time to get to know your body. This actually helps you with um, your health, too. You'll notice when things are a bit different quicker because you're intimate with your body. The Marquis Sassad said that in order to know virtue, we must first acquaint ourselves with vice. And I say something similar to this about building a fantasy world. In order to build your dreams, you have to first know the material you're working with. So keep your skirts up, your pants down, and always remember that no, that no matter who bends over, you got to get to know your ass first. Uh, so are you encouraging fondling of oneself? Of course not. I would never do that. <laughs> Gasp. Um, no. I think that's a really good point that you make in, in saying that it's important to have a realistic view of what your body actually looks like, actually feels like. So for you, what would be um, – do you just use that uh, as a, a sense of awareness or do you use that as a motivation or, or what's the – well, I'm a total voyeur, so like even when I'm having sex, it's like like if some uh, it, when someone's fucking me or I'm fucking them, it's I'm imagining what I'm doing in my head, even though all I have to do is look down. But um, or I could just buy a big gaudy mirror and hang it next to my bed, which is totally what I'm going to do. I love mirrors when I'm having sex. I want to watch it. Um, no, I just when I was younger. Uh, people, you know, I'd hear people say, well, it's the other person's responsibility to know what you like and things like that. And I'm like, no, no, that's my responsibility. And um, so I would just lay down and just start touching different parts of myself. And, you know, I, I found out that I really like when a guy holds me at my sides, like um, at my at my waist. Doesn't um, not even sexually or anything. I just love the feeling of it. Um, or uh, what's a what's another thing? Or I like to read in my office. I have a, a chez, like a Freudian lounge chair type of thing, and I like to lay on it naked in the sunlight and read. And I'll just sit there and I'll look at my body. Because most people, when they look at themselves, they look at photos that are cropped and edited, and the lighting's right and the angles right. It's like you. You have this idealized version of yourself in your head. And then when you look in the mirror in the morning after a night of all partying, 
you're just like, oh my god, what happened? I look like <laughs> shit. I'm dying. <laughs> Most people just don't know what they actually look like, and um, they connect with images in bed instead of uh, connecting with, you know, how they feel. It is it is interesting, and I'm gonna I, I gotta bring this into it because it it fucking immediately just popped in my head. One of the weird experiences I had as a kid with the notion of exploring oneself was yeah, <laughs> so horrible. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Uh, Fried green tomatoes, I think was the movie. It, it was Kathy Bates, and there was I I there was like this moment where there's like. Her saying that you should have a mirror underneath and explore your vagina or something. I can't remember what movie it was. Maybe it was that. If I had a daughter, but I'd like, tell her to do it. What? If I had a daughter, I'd totally tell her to do that. For sure. But I mean, of all the gross people to fucking you know, be the one to tell you, Kathy fucking Bates. Um, <laughs> but the idea just just of, of, of understanding what you actually look like and then exploring yourself... I think is wildly important. And there's this, there's this weird thought process that I think permeates most people sexually, most, most closed sexual people where they think that, well, if you're the opposite sex, you should just know how to pleasure the opposite sex. Like this whole idea of not having sex until marriage is insane. If you want to actually enjoy it, like you, you don't know anything! Like, you don't know you, you don't know anyone else. Why the fuck would you think that some fucking Mormon dude who is literally just, like, ashamed of touching his cock gonna know somehow how to please a woman? Like, that's that's craziness. And yet there there's so many unhappy, sexually unhappy people because they've been taught growing up that you're just not supposed to know and you're just supposed to stay alone and then once you find that one special person they'll take you to heaven and you don't even know what the fuck that means because you've never fucking done it to yourself insane absolutely crazy that's why i left islam i'm like i don't want to be good and die and then get 70 virgins i don't even want one virgin if a guy tells me he's a virgin i'm just like oh yeah i used to get a kick out of that playing teacher because yeah. what I would do is I would actually – these little suggestions I listed in this episode I do for myself all the time. Um, it's like I, I like working out naked because um, I'm not an exhibitionist at all. You know, I, That's why I don't have sex at my sex parties. I don't want people to watch me ha- um, having sex. But it's I want to look at my body. I want to um, – I want to appreciate it for what it actually looks like. And it really helps your self-esteem. Um, did you know you can get erectile dysfunction from a, it's called like, the, the, what's it called? It's like penile depression. Women can get it too. It's vaginal depression. Um, and one of the therapies to get over it is a woman to use a mirror and to just stare at her vagina. Isn't that weird? Is it just because you don't, it's not what you think it should be? Kinda. It's you're trying to match reality with an ideal, and that's just a bad. You're you're gonna lose that game. I wonder uh, if that happens more and more because of porn. There's an argument there. I don't think so. I think it's just um, you you have to know what's fantasy and what's not. I, that's why I like homemade or amateur porn so much. It's more real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, mo- and I tell people 
all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, I saw this position of porn. I'm like, no, don't do it. Well, why? It looked hot. Yes, it looked hot. Do you know what it felt like? Most of the positions in porn do not feel nice at all. They just look really good. And that's why you jack off to them. Yeah. Great episode as usual, man. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think that's going to do it for another show, people. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Adan, where can people find you online? Uh, Facebook. Just go to that awesome little search box and type in melatonin eroticism. I guarantee you I'm the only one. <laughs> or I am me. Ah, get it? And Anyway. <laughs> You can visit the Satan Net, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on LastFM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. So look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And the only way that we're going to continue this thing is if you share it. Like the posts share them with your friends tell someone about nine cents help spread the word people and once again thank you for joining me and as always i'm your host adam campbell being joined by a very sick a denardan and until next week hail satan hail satan Thank uh-huh.